Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Just another day here and just doing a little more Q time today. <laughs> Q, Q, Q time equals due time, right? Yeah, later after we get done recording, I'm going to have a quarantini. Uh, oh, there it, wow. I get, and I, you can't drink all day if you don't start early. That's right. Yeah. So speaking of drinking all day, well, wait a minute. That's not how we'll introduce Ryan Weber from the Kansas City Tech Council. But it, with you. us today, we, with us today, we have Ryan Weber. Are you the president, the CEO, the founder? Remind us again. Just president and CEO uh, was not necessarily the founder, but that's a whole nother story. I'm sure it is. So much stuff to talk to you about today. We've got everything from public policy to industry, the effect COVID-19 has had on the industry. But I think let's start with the most timely subject, especially with the personal protector, the, the payroll protection plan. Is that what it's called? Yep. The, the right. PPP. PPP. And I'm done with PPP. I, it's true. Yeah, you know me. Is that what I'm supposed to say? I don't know. That's right. Someone needed to. Um, but obviously, that's a hot topic for certain venture backed startups. I didn't even realize the CARES Act had let had let that out or left that out. Can you give us a little more background about what's going on with PPP? Yeah, and I don't know if there's really a finger to point here. So, you know, this was something that, from a federal standpoint, happened very quickly in a, in a world where things don't happen very quickly. <laughs> So the fact that our government has even got an approved stimulus plan and is going to be leveraging the Small Business Association and the Department of Treasury to really help businesses and employers through this, it, it happened in kind of record-breaking speed. So with that, you're going to have a few things that maybe weren't thought of carefully enough. So they're aware of that, and the federal government is trying to deal with those things as quickly as possible. But one that hits close to home for a lot of us and probably a lot of the people listening to this is the fact that the Small Business Association has what's called affiliation rules. And basically those affiliation rules can prevent you from benefiting from the SBA's programs. And basically through your affiliations, you would be deemed potentially larger than, than what you currently are from an employment standpoint. And one of the key examples here is if you've received an investment from a private equity firm or a venture capitalist, Essentially, you have to count the employees of all the different portfolio companies that that investor has invested in. The total employment of all their companies is actually your employment count as well. So if you've got a big time venture capital investor in your deal, you could potentially be viewed as a above 500 employee company, which would put you outside of the scope of a small business. So in America, the SBA or Small Business Association considers if you're under 500 employees, you're a small business. So it's a pretty big business, by the way. If I had 500 employees, yeah, I'd feel like I'd do pretty well. So that's generous. Let's yeah. be honest. That's generous. I've, I've always still, felt that, that I've always felt that that cap was a little high. You know, the the definition of a small business being 500 employees, or I mean, for some people, 50 
is no longer a small business. It, well, yeah, yeah I mean, five hundred is a pretty big number, but that's still like that still makes up like high ninety percentage of overall oh, yeah. businesses. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it also shows just how much there's so much more familiarity with enterprise or large companies at the federal level because they have lobbyists, they've got government affairs teams that are there on a daily basis. Trust me, they're getting theirs. But for all the rest of us, we've got the Small Business Association. By the way, they do a great job. Uh, they also didn't have the staff to yeah. immediately start deploying something like this. So very smartly, they're using local banks to distribute those loans. So um, I'm actually really happy with how this has come together so quickly. Th these little oversights, I think we just have to point out and make it very clear and very urgent to our lawmakers to change that. And even in, just in our own backyard here, so Senator Moran from Kansas has sent a letter to uh, the SBA to the Department of Treasury to clear this up as soon as possible. Now, on Friday, April 3rd is when these loans become available, supposedly. So they are first come, first serve. And if because of these affiliation rules, startups are not allowed to participate, they could be gone before they get a chance. And that's a big problem, guys. So we're on the well, phone. It's, it's not just start. It's not all startups, though. It's only venture backed startups, right? Correct. Thanks for that clarification, Matt, because that is important. And it's just venture-backed startups. If your venture capital firm that invested in your company or all of them collected um, their total investment portfolio plus the total employees of all those different companies would equal your employee count. So in some cases, that may not be over 500. But if it is, you don't qualify, and that's a big problem. Yeah, but if, if you had someone like Sequoia Capital who may have invested in Facebook and like yeah, 19 and 2000 or something. And now if that's your connecting your connective tissue, then you have, according to them, you know, 40,000 employees or whatever. And that, that's kind of crazy. I mean, well, you know, one of the, one of the things you mentioned, Ryan, is I, I was also, um, you know, when I first heard that the stimulus was going to be issued largely through SBA, which by the way, has a notoriously slow process. Like anytime you hear SBA loan, people are like, oh, well, you might as well have a seat and, and relax, kick your feet up, maybe take a nap, yeah. you know, uh, hibernate, do something because it's been notoriously slow. But the, so the SBA has uh, 1,800 approved vendors. So the, the speed, yeah, I was wondering how, how are they going to get this going? And it's kind of interesting. You talk about the, the speed at which this came down the pipe. Um, you know, the, it's it, on some levels, I, it's, it, I think four or five years from now, they're going to look back at this and there's probably going to be a lot of people that are going to get themselves in trouble with this too, because you have, uh, uh, the efficiency that they have to lean on is through banks and the bank is the approver and the person that also the, the entity that also decides potential forgiveness. Why would a bank not want to give a loan? to someone when it was fully guaranteed? They don't have to now. Uh, these 7A loans do not require a personal guarantee, right. except, um, you know, there are some exceptions to that. If those, if those loans are over $200,000, then they do require a personal guarantee. So it's not like it's free money, but uh, I mean, this is simple math here. So if you have under 500 employees, and you meet the qualifications, which are not that extensive. Basically, you've had employees in 2020 or, or you had employees before February 15th, I believe. Then you can take 
your average monthly payroll expense total, so your total monthly expense, take it times 2.5, and that's how much money is available to you right now. So if anyone listens to this wondering, is this something I should participate in? Absolutely. Go get yours. Yeah. This is this is to yep. help you. And it, and it, what's going to be several months of likely slow business activity. Um, you know, I run a 501c6 nonprofit. It isn't clear whether or not we qualify because the only nonprofit organization specifically mentioned is a 501c3 or a charitable foundation or an educational foundation. We have one of those, but it's not our employer base, that is with the C6 entity. So even I'm in a situation of I'm going to apply because I, we need these resources to keep the KC Tech Council in a strong position and we may not qualify because it's not clearly mentioned. So I would say that your local bank is gonna be your best advisor. And with us, we use Great Southern Bank here in Kansas City. They have locations all across the Midwest, but they are an SBA approved lender. And if anyone needs a referral, let me know. Uh, but there's a handful of those SBA approved lenders in Kansas City, and they would be happy to help navigate you through this. In fact, they're going to be incentivized to do so. <laughs> and they're incentivized to make sure that you're accurately filling out these applications and that you're not trying to you know, create some sort of fraudulent environment for the government. The government's got their own uh, checks and balances, including the IRS, and you do not want to owe money to the IRS. <laughs> So I would not look at this as an opportunity to take advantage of anything. It's not, it's only to help you. No, I wasn't, I wasn't implying that. I just feel I that, yeah. that, that, that the approval process and, you know, the, here's the thing is it covers more than your payroll expense. You can, uh, you can add in insurance premiums. So like it, whatever you're paying to keep healthcare um, for your staff, uh, you have the cost of local tax, local or state taxes, um, rent, utilities, uh, uh, mortgage repayment can potentially fall in there. Um, certain types of interest, uh, any any expense that occurs due to uh, um, retirement. So, like if you, I mean, that's matching four hundred one k funds, and like you start to you start to put these things in and. And it, you know, what's really funny too is they give you two different formulas. You the one that you said it's confusing because they said. 2.5. And then our bank sent us one that said all this stuff times two plus 25%, which by the way, comes up to 2.5. So you had two, yeah, yeah. So like two different calculations, the exact same result, but um, yeah, the overall forms that needed to be filled out were, I mean, by SBA standards, remarkably simplistic. They had I just know. a couple simple documents. They were basically wanted uh, wanted us to attest to a few things like, and they were almost, it was almost just like that simple sheet that you get when you get a loan. That's like, I am not a convicted criminal. Right. Um, I have, you I haven't. I, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, different stuff like that. And it wasn't really a whole lot of deep stuff past that. Now, now that said, our COO is literally on a bank uh, webinar call right now where they're explaining what they need to do. So like banks nationally are, are planning a massive deluge of, of applications. So yeah, we'll see how some, that goes. Some banks, this may just be a sales tactic, are likely going to handle their current customers first. So yeah. I think for anyone that's listening to this who may and maybe already, they, should, they probably should. I think they should, by the way. And what I, what I want to say here is very important for your, for your listeners who are, are entrepreneurs who are thinking about starting a business. 
There's a couple of key relationships you need to be successful, and a banker is one of them. A good lawyer is another. A strong accountant is probably up there too. So uh, having a personal banker that you can reach out to, um, this is the key example of why you need those relationships. They will really help you navigate through this. And if you're already a customer of one of those banks, then you get first offer and first right to participate in these programs. And they will likely wait to make sure they've got enough liquidity to do this before they start allowing their new customers or others from the bank to participate in these SBA loans. Yeah, my, my concern is at Stackify, our bank is Bank of America. And I, I wonder that they're too big to deal with this. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why you can't have multiple banks. We do. Um, and I think a lot of other businesses do as well. So, you know, I think a lot of people who have uh, one of the big four as their primary bank are going to find that they're going to be in a long queue of business owners trying to call and get more information. So, again, if you, anyone needs a connection to a local bank, there's Kansas City is an overbanked market. There's a lot of great options. And because there's so many banks here, they're pretty competitive. So they do treat you pretty well. And I'd be happy to offer anyone guidance through that. But it is important to have a local bank in situations like this. Yeah, there's a whole lot. I mean, I've had, I've received a bunch of anybody that we've done any type of transactions through or like even maybe applied for a loan, any of that stuff. I mean, I've been, I've had a ton of outreach. My inbox has been full um, just to, oh, and I literally just got an email right now, uh, you know, PPP or do you, do you have questions? Do you need to answer them and stuff like that? I mean, overall now, now I think it's also important to talk a little bit about, so this is set up as if it's a loan. Um, the likelihood that you'll experience forgiveness is high. Um, the standards, the standards for that loan forgiveness are low. Um, that's a good combo. If you're doing the math at home, uh, high probability of forgiveness and low standards equals a favorable situation. So the the likelihood of repayment is is fairly minimal. Um, and, the, and if you read the guidelines for that, they want to see you maintain your uh, your payroll uh, for the next couple months and the other expenses that go with it. Now, I this is just a guess, but I, I my suspicion would say that there's probably probably with who because the the lender is who's going to decide whether or not the forgiveness was applicable. So I have a feeling you just end up providing documentation, payroll reports, something like that. No one knows about the money going in and out of your own bank account more than you're a bank. So I think if that meets up, um, I th and I have a feeling there'll even be a little overage forgiveness in there. I think that's where that 25% comes from. Yeah. So, you know, like, like you like Ryan yeah. said, I mean, there's really no reason to not chase this. Now, the, the reason to chase it quicker than not is $350 billion sounds like a lot, but maybe it's not. It'll go pretty quick. And then, yeah. you know, last, last week, the first round of stimulus was through the SBA, and it's the Economic Injury Disaster Loans or EIDL loans. Those are a little more simple. They get distributed a little more quickly. So for those uh, startups that may not qualify because of this affiliation rule, there's still an opportunity for them to apply for the EIDL loans through the SBA. And again, go to SBA's website, make sure it's sba.gov. Don't get, don't get lost out there on the wrong links. 
And, uh, you know, those EIDL loans um, do require a personal guarantee. So a lot of tech startups are, and a lot of early, early stage companies aren't going to qualify either, but there's still other opportunities out there. And, it, you know, there's a lot of advice out there too. I mean, I'm probably getting, I don't know, kind of like 20 emails a day from groups I didn't even know I was involved with. And we do business through another organization I'm affiliated with. Um, we do a lot of banking with Silicon Valley Bank. And their CEO did a webinar yesterday. There's 5,000 people on that call. Wow. And he, he's giving completely different advice than what I'm getting from my local banker. And, and even like my peers, which by the way, I'm so thankful to have a network of other CEOs that run tech councils across this country because we're meeting uh, multiple times a week just to share what we're seeing, what we're learning, what we're doing. And that has been so much more helpful and honestly helping me sleep at night knowing. Oh, I think we lost your sound, right? Uh, what's that? I think we lost your sound there for a second. Shoot. Um, <laughs> But what I, what I was saying was it's important to have a network of peers right now as well, where you can talk openly, where you're not just on webinars or you're not just reading emails. You can dissect this information together. And uh, I know you guys have done a good job of creating that online audience. I know Matt, you both Matt's have been posting a lot on social media, asking people these questions to see what they're hearing. But it does help to have those personal relationships because you need to be asking questions right now. And it can't just be to your bankers or your accountants. Yeah, I agree. Matt, are you are you planning on moving forward with the, with the triple P? Trying to uh, get it all ready to apply tomorrow. Yeah, and that's the and we said tomorrow we'll see if this comes out before that before that floodgate opens. But overall, I mean that's a that's a I, I don't know. I think you'd be kind of crazy to not chase it down at full scale. We were fortunate we had a lot of the SBA stuff ready because uh, that's a route we had been considering up to this point. And I'll tell you what, if you haven't, if you haven't got that stuff together, better get to work. <laughs> some of that, uh, um, the, the PPP loan might be a little easier, but some of the other ones are a little more involved. So Ryan, as far as the overall effects of everything across the, t the tech space, um, you, you have your finger on the pulse of that on a wider level, you know, at full scale, we did have a few clients that, that waved some red flags and, and pulled back their, uh, their account value a little bit. And then we had some others that increased it. Um, and overall haven't really been, been decimated by stuff. Definitely felt, felt a little, uh, a little shakiness there for a little bit and seems to be stabling. I, I'm surprised at the amount of incoming sales inquiries we're getting. I mean, have a lot of people that have been reaching Same. out and yeah. definitely some winners and losers here. I mean, what are, what are you, what are you feeling and hearing? You know, what's, what's really been great to see in our business is we've had new members join. We've had new sponsors of, of, of digital events inquiries. I mean, we've gotten all sorts of activity that, I mean, I, I don't want to say I'm surprised, but I was happy to see that activity goes on and we're adapting. And when I talk to other business leaders around Kansas City and even just watching what's going on on Twitter, you're really getting an inside view of what kind of leader you're working for. <laughs> there are people who are leading very differently through this crisis. And I would say there's probably three groups of those leaders right now. There was your overreactors. And there is probably a middle group of those who are probably looking at this uh, after a couple of weeks or three weeks in now and saying, okay, we'll cut 25% of our company staff, just, just cut it. 
Uh, let's take it off the top. Well, that's going to be a pretty big mistake now if you're going after some of these loans where you needed those folks uh, to be on that payroll. But also that can really decimate morale if you've got to let people go right now and you really didn't have to, or you were using this as an excuse for other things that you've been delaying or issues you've been trying to address in your company. And then there's the third bucket of your ninja CEOs and other leaders who are saying, okay, how can we adapt to come out of this more strong and better than we are or were before any of this started? And so I think we're seeing all three of those individuals right now. And the overreactors are the ones that immediately shut down their businesses or laid off all their employees, or, or some of them may have had to. I'm not saying, you know, there's it's all that was all negative, but those are really the three I'm watching now. And personally, I'm in the bucket of how can we come out stronger? What do we need to learn from this? If this is an experience that's going to happen again in our professional lives, and if I'm CEO again, when something like this happens, I want to be able to learn the lessons I needed to learn now so that when this happens again, I'm prepared. Not that anyone is really prepared for this, but we should be if it ever happens again. I feel like I'm the ninja. I agree. Hiya! <laughs> I agree. I've been trying to, we, you know, at Stackify, we cut some expenses and, you know, been going through things with fine tooth comb, trying to cut back where we can, but, you know, not cutting any of our employees and trying to wait and see, see how this is going to impact us. And, and actually from a revenue perspective, our revenue, revenue was relatively flat for the month, month of March. So we had a few more customers cancel than normal, but we did sign up some new customers. So we just kind of held our ground. So that's been a good thing. Yeah, I think like a lot of people, including us, you know, we've reached out to personally connect with our biggest uh, sponsors, corporations that we work with. And, you know, there is some consistency in those conversations of, of a wait and see. We're not going to overreact right now. And that's fulfilling to know that those C-level uh, corporate executives are kind of thinking the same way. Uh, there's an opportunity to come out stronger, but in the meantime, there's not a need to just overreact and start laying everybody off or furloughing employees or even worse, just firing a bunch of people. Yeah. You know, at full scale, we had to, we had, it, we didn't really, the, the mass layoffs wouldn't really, isn't really something that is, would have been super effective for us. It's uh, I mean, our people generate our revenue and right. um, now, now with that, we, yeah. And, and with that, you also mentioned a morale thing. I mean, I, I mean, it's something we're trying to avoid because we've really, you know, positioned ourselves and are a people first company. And if we don't put the people up in front, you know, then we're going to kind of lose that, that credibility and that, that, that morale. Now, some of the things that have been, have been really helpful have been has been a somewhat mass deferral of a lot of things, you know, like the so we in Cebu, we shut our office down for its close. It's now everyone's working remote. And without even asking the place that we uh, that are where we have two floors of a, of a building deferred our rent for they just said there's not rent in April. And, you know, that I mean, that's 40 grand a month. Yeah, I mean, you're I mean, not going to forget that, are you? Yeah. I mean, that's no, I mean, no. When they no. say, "Hey, do you want to renew?" It's going to be an absolutely. Thanks for. It's been a pleasure doing business, right? And and there's you know, been a whole stack of that industry, stuff. Yeah. You can do yeah. that stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's a whole stack of that stuff that all of a sudden you push that forward or amortize it maybe over the remainder of the lease. And then you look at something like getting some of the PPP money in. And next thing you know, it, I, I spent the last couple of weeks wondering why the stock market had bounced back as strongly as it did. And then I really got into the stimulus plan. And I started looking, I was like, oh, okay, so they can artificially prop this up, at least for a little bit. And it was, uh, I mean, it was honestly that the, I've, I've, uh, I'm old enough at this point to have been through a couple different crises or look at a couple different things. You know, usually you have to prove that you've been financially damaged. And there's actually going to be a whole segment of companies that were minimally damaged or had minimal impact, or maybe even did better because of it. And now they're going to see some some PPP stimulus come in, and it could give a boost to certain segments. I think it could actually, you know, like you said, where I, I put my, I was kind of in that middle group that you mentioned of the three, I was kind of just hanging out and watching. I wanted to see like, okay, like, I mean, because like, what was a, a if if I had to lay off, like, 40% or 30% of the company. I mean, that it, was it really going to save the company if I did it five days later or five no, days a, earlier? A yeah. friend of mine, and we were talking over the weekend and he had to rank his 30 person team one through 30, who would go first, yeah. who would go last. And like, you know, that's kind of, that kind of stuff where sure you may need to know that, but you don't need to do that right now. That's stuff that we need to be focusing on after all this is over. If you're starting to do things like that now, I don't think you're setting up. Any, and sure, that maybe that's a proactive thing to do. But that individual really struggled to do that. And knowing that at some point, these are the decisions I'm going to have to make. But if that decision comes months from now, and the, you know, someone that was ranked first to go starts to use this as an opportunity to advance themselves and improve. I mean, again, like it's just... It just doesn't do anyone any favors to go through those steps right now. But yeah, but go. but it all depends on the situation because, uh, let's say my business was doing three hundred thousand a month in revenue, and a third of my business cancels two weeks later. Now I do two hundred thousand a month in revenue. I don't have a lot of cash in the bank. I gotta let people go. I have a runway of maybe a week or two weeks or four weeks or six weeks. Like I gotta make movements now, right? You can't wait months. So. It all depends on the type of business and the situation you're in. So what well, do you do I, when I that business I, comes back, though, Matt? Like, that's the problem, right? So, yeah, you see a start. We all saw a huge decline in revenue. So when that revenue comes back, are those individuals going to come back to work for you? I mean, that's the real decision you got to make. But even for the manager, if you're not in a position to cut workforce right now and you're asking those managers to rank their people one through 30 right now, that's the kind of morale-killing stuff that if that ever came out and was public – where the rest of the company knew that these directors had to rank everybody. Oh man. I mean, we kind of know what happened. It's the, the reality, but it's the, re I mean, look at AMC theaters, right? They had to cut probably 98% of the people. It didn't even matter where you were ranked. They had to I, cut them all. I don't matter. know. I don't know much about what goes on. I mean, obviously I was not around the table when they made those decisions at AMC theater, but I think there's going to be a Harvard business case study about what they had to do or what they could have done during this. Because sure. when they when they come back, um, I already know a couple of people who work for AMC that use this as an opportunity to get a job somewhere else, and they already did. It's that easy. Sure. Yeah. So to think that your highest skilled employees, your best people, are going to come back after an immediate furlough like that, 
It's pretty short-sighted. They're going to have a really hard time getting a getting but a what necessary was their alternative? back. But but if but if it would have cost them a hundred million dollars a month in payroll to employ all these people at their headquarters and at these theaters all over the country, then they don't have the cash. What do you do? You start selling your content in a different way besides a theater. That's what I would have done. I mean, that's what I was thinking of when I watched that. I mean, I don't know anyone. Well, I don't need I don't need people to there, take but... tickets then. I don't well, need to, not... I don't need to keep people to take tickets if I'm selling my content digitally now, right? Like, they got to make okay, major but... moves. They've, those are a different employee than your digital team, your cyber team, your your internal technology team. I mean, that's a that's a whole company wide furlough. So yeah. that's what's different, right? Sure, your frontline people who aren't going to be able to work at a movie theater that might that might make more sense than your CIO and everybody else, right? But they all got the furlough, and so that's what was really shocking to me. It was the entire HQ furloughed. So when you come back, which they will, they will come back, how are you going to have enough workers? How would you know if you have enough workers to actually come back and not be in a vulnerable position to be acquired by one of your competitors? I mean, that's what it would be going through my head right now over there. Yeah. another. I, I'm, I side with both of you guys on this. I'm, I'm kind of like in the middle of where both of you are at. I'm being serious because like Matt's right. Like if the business is going to flop and there's nothing to come back to, who fucking cares? Like if that's it. And, and the thing that has been so challenging for me is having, I went through, I, Brian, I did all of it. I did do the rankings. By the way, I ranked the podcast hosts and Matt was number one. So, um, that's all it said, Matt, and then Matt. So I, I moved those two back and forth for a while and I realized no, no layoffs were coming there, but at full scale, I had to do some of that. Now I didn't, I didn't do it. I did it from like on my own, like I didn't make it public. I wasn't, I only talked to a couple people about it just to kind of look at like what the different scenarios even looked like. And honestly, like, I mean, like I said, in our case, the layoffs thing, like what that would have done for us is, well, it would have, it would have completely inhibited my ability to grow at any point this year. And then, and then an example is our employees are our number one referral and recruiting method. So if all of a sudden I laid off 25% of the company and anything bounced back, um, yeah. And then, and then another thing too, is once, once one of our employees is already working for a client, I mean, there would, yeah, we're, we have a high engagement rate, but yeah, some of the, some of the things were kind of tough. And then, you know, you, like you said, you know, not wanting to lose your potentially lose your best people. Cause if you start laying people off, that is a signal flare that will burn above your business for a long ass time. Like, yeah, I mean, you, you better be serious about being serious about having a, a smaller staff because you know, I was, I was curious about on that furlough thing too, is do non-competes still, are they still able to be enforced in this situation? I know it's state by state now, so it's a little bit different, but you know, there's non-competes, they're, they're intimidation factors for individuals yeah. because there's always that back of your mind concern that you're violating your non-compete. And I'm not an attorney and I would never encourage this, but you know, for some of those people, I would say you might have to make a tough decision to say, come at me, 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think planning. if you I think if you furlough someone, you put you're putting them in the in the in the employment pool. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, yeah. but I think you still do have some protection as an employer. But for those individuals who are furloughed in this you know, example, we'll still use AMC theaters. And you want to go work for another thir- uh, movie theater chain because that's the industry you know, and they're willing to bring you on right now. Uh, people are going to be put in a tough situation to make what may be concerning decisions. But uh, you know, if, if it ever came to a litigation situation, I would say they they were put in that situation by the employer, not not by their own. You know, reaching out to a competitor and trying to steal trade secrets. I mean, it's just a tough. I think situation if you're not paying, I think in. if you're not paying me, I'm not your employee. Well, that's not the case with non-competes, though. I mean, specifically with our industry-led. I mean, like in, in telecom, another highly competitive or in healthcare, you know, those companies are notorious for upholding non-competes if you go work for a competitor in the same exact role, which makes sense. But, you know, you got to protect some people. But um, anyways, it's state by state now. And so it's kind of here in this part of the country, it's a little more business-friendly. But again, State by state's one part actually goes county by county, depending on where the case is, is going to be heard. So it, it, it's complicated, guys. This is a really unique thing. And again, it's, it's I'm trying to make as many notes as I can to, to, of things I'm seeing, learning, and watching. And I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the several, several couple months go by to see how business leaders react. And then when we look at this several years from now and really review it like we did with the Great Recession, um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned here. And... There's going to be things that we should never do again that we did this time around. And uh, although I pray there's never another pandemic or worse, uh, we should be more prepared the second time around. The The hard part about this is let's use StackFi as an example. Let's say, you know, we, we lose money every month. We have a burn rate. We have six months. Let's say we have six months of runway. Is that enough runway right now? Can we raise more capital? Do we need to reduce our expenses and, and figure out how to make our runway 12 months? Like th- there's a lot of really hard decisions, right? And every month that goes by, let's say we wait three months. Now we have three months of runway. It's hard to stretch that three months that's left into 12 months, right? Where if I could stretch it now, I could make some cuts and, and make it 12 months or make it 18 months. Like it, it's all really hard and you have to move quickly, right? Because the, the longer you sit around and wait, time you What's know that? so it's just it's really like, hard mike tyson's got a famous quote about everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face <laughs> and you've got a plan that's, a, pop, a, plan. that's a popular quote on the podcast as well yeah oh i'm sure yeah. i yeah. mean we all have plans but what's going to separate good leaders from mediocre or even bad leaders is where are you getting your advice <laughs> how are, quickly are you able to adapt when your plan is no longer working and I think that will be interesting to watch and something I'm going to be closely watching too. And ironically, you know, we, we do host a CEO retreat. You guys have attended. It's one of my favorite events to go to because I learned so much from being around those people. One of our key topics that we were going to discuss was how to be a CEO during a recession because very few of us were CEOs during the last recession. And very few of those individuals who were CEOs of that company that experienced 2007 to 2009 are still CEOs of the same company. So it's an interesting time, but it's an important time to learn and be as nimble and leverage every skill that you've acquired uh, ninja style here, because that will separate the, will separate you into whichever bucket you will end up in as either a bad leader 
a mediocre leader or somebody who led through this and came out stronger because of it. And every so, single business is totally different. Totally different. So as we, we normally round out our episodes with the founders freestyle, but I think in the theory and the spirit of peas, we can go with a double P and talk about public policy. <laughs> um, okay. Everyone's everyone's favorite subject. I mean, my wife's texting me right now. Was she's saying, "Will you please come talk to me about public policy?" <laughs> she is a very smart lady. I'd keep her around. She's lucky. She's lucky, right? Well, I did you. I think you got I a text. Say, message I didn't say she was lucky. I said she's I, smart. I, you did. I have a text message on my phone right now because I sent sent you another one. I was reminded. I I gave Jill the uh for our uh for our uh, uh anniversary the uh, uh tech council nike cap yeah that we got yeah. free and 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 i sent you a picture of it and you you pointed out what a lucky lady she was so thank you for Damn, yeah i did yeah. you're right i'm looking at this yep i sure did see on february 21st yeah. at 52 p.m yep yeah so okay, take well. that weber damn you're good you got me. You got me. To Back to public policy. Back to public policy. Okay. Where do you want to start? This has been a pretty active couple months here. I uh, mean, is, 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 are, we, are, are we expecting to see major changes in, in just stuff? At the state level, no. Both of our state legislatures have shut down. Um, we'll see when, what happens when they come back. So you got to pass budgets and things like that. But um, – yeah, there's a couple of things that we were really tracking closely this year because it would affect a number of companies and really would affect the industry. At the state level, one of the key things was the Kansas Angel Investor Tax Credit, which needed to be renewed during this legislative session. And it was navigated a little bit differently than last time where it went to the tax committee and there was a whole debate about taxes, not necessarily this tax credit, but just taxes in general. And that was a different time. That was three and a half years ago. Fast forward to today, and it went through the Economic Development Committee, which makes a lot of sense, passed out of the House Committee, went over to the Senate side, but then everything stalled. So from a procedural standpoint, if that did not get renewed, which it doesn't look like it did, that program may not be around for much longer. So I'm hopeful that some of these bills that just didn't get their chance, there could be a special session maybe later this summer at the state level, and one that we need a lot of support around is the Kansas Angel Investor Tax Credit. And it's a, it's not necessarily the easiest to explain, but essentially, if you're a Kansas company and you want to raise capital, you apply with the Department of Commerce and they give you tax credits and you can give those credits to your investors. They can either use them to subsidize their uh, tax exposure if they have a Kansas income. And if they don't have a Kansas income, they can sell it back to people that do. So it's a really beautiful program for, because of that transferability. And I'll be honest, this is Kansas's last competitive advantage to locating your startup company in Kansas versus in Missouri or any other neighboring states. Yep. It's it. That's the only thing they have. Well, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the angel tax credits because I've invested <laughs> in companies before. Yeah. And the only reason I did is because I was going to get the tax credit. But we've got a new problem, a really big new problem. All the tax revenues in our states all of a sudden just went down. Right? People aren't well, working. We're not paying payroll tax, so now well, our, our our states don't even have as much money. Like, so we got a we, printed, we got a whole we new printed problem. more of it, Matt. We printed more no? of it with Amer we'll America's see. greatest innovation, the Mint. 
is we'll in see. full force. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we're gonna have major budget shortfalls all over the board. You know, yeah. all over the United States and every city, state, everywhere. Watson's right. Less sales tax revenue. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to the mall and buying stuff. They're not getting sales tax revenue. I mean, it's all it's across the board. No, Watson, you're right. In fact, uh, just this week, Missouri's governor announced that they could have anywhere between a $500 million to a billion dollar deficit from what the budget they they basically were debating just two weeks ago. So yeah, yeah no, and I, and that's something that I'm also keeping track of. But you know, who's going to lead us through an economic rebound? Uh, it's going to be growth companies. Honestly, they yeah. we did this last time in 2000, probably nine to 2012. We've led a lot of new job growth, a lot of investment being held in the region. You can't, they're going to have to make hard choices about which programs stay, which ones go. But if Kansas kills this program, why would you locate your startup in Kansas? Why would you locate in Johnson County, Kansas, for example? Uh, there's no real competitive advantage left for them. So what I would say is the $6 million a year, and it's not real dollars, again, $6 million of credits that they give to this program is a pretty cheap way to keep a competitive advantage. And if they get rid of it, then I would say they're going to lose way more of those employers and startup companies than they had or would have had it before. But also as an investor, you already mentioned this, Watson. You invest in deals just because of credits, or you probably that's invest right. more because those companies have credits. And that's what every investor I've talked to has said. If this program goes away, I'll still be an investor. I just won't invest as much. That's a huge problem. Uh, that's a pretty easy thing to say is like, this is a program that works. There's a lot of programs in the state that don't, but this one does. Let's not get rid of it. Even though I would love to say common sense prevails in government, it doesn't. But at the state level, this is the one that needs the most attention, and I hope to have an update here. Well, we'll see. Maybe by the end of April or May, but hopefully a special session for the legislature can occur sometime this summer. I didn't realize that they had pushed that off. I knew that they were talking about voting on it. And it I mean, you talk about public policy and a lot of different things. I mean, so so much stuff is is you know been it. It, it's not a priority right now. And, you know, as, as you were probably aware, Ryan, I was in Cebu when a lot of the shit hit the fan on this. And I went, I went from having this like up, uplifting, like amazing growth building trip to like, Oh shit, we have a lot to figure out in a hurry. And I think that, you know, that you, you close everything down and you do a lot of different stuff and you, you, you change the mentality and the priorities of a lot of people. Now on the, on the subject of closing down, um, I will still pass around the mic here for some closing remarks on this episode of startup hustle. Once again, with us today, we had Ryan Weber with the Kansas city tech council and someone that has embraced me at a Celine Dion concert. <laughs> it was, it was a special embrace, by the way. It was, it was. Yeah. And it wasn't just for social media people. That was real. That was real. Two men um, can embrace. At a Celine Dion concert on a rainy Monday night. By the way, I, as I was, as I was, as I was driving to that, cause Jill canceled on me on the last, at the last minute, I was driving to the full scale suite on the way downtown on a rainy Monday night in October, I believe. And I was like, am I the loneliest man in Kansas city right now? And driving then you saw to a me Celine, and you're like, no, nope, dri driving, driving to a Celine Dion concert by myself. 
um, on a, on, maybe it was a Tuesday. I don't know, but yeah, yeah it was pretty man. funny. My, my heart, my heart goes on for yet another, another future episode of, of you on startup hustle, but Ryan, I'll go ahead and give you the mic first and, um, anything you would, anything you'd like to say on the way out? Yeah, I know there's a lot of people worried about the future and what it's going to mean. And I think we've talked a lot about leadership here. And uh, I think that's going to be a really important skill for people to hone right now and leading yourself, your team, your families, your friends through all of this. Um, we're seeing leadership on display at every level of government, of business. And there's a lot of examples of the right way to lead and the wrong way to lead. And I hope people are seeing through a lot of the noise and finding the right way to lead. Because in this area of the country, we did not see the kind of decline that others saw during the last recession. And we should embrace that because there's such a benefit to being in the middle of the country. We don't see a huge peak. We don't experience big valleys. And the reason why I believe is leadership. And so uh, there's a lot of new young leaders because of what's, uh, you know, been thrown in our laps, but I am more than confident we will come out ahead. And if there's anything I can do or the organization that I represent can do to help you, I hope you reach out because there are so many resources available for people and entrepreneurs. And even if you're going through a difficult mental time during this, please use the resources around you and we will all get through this. And at some point in time, we may even laugh about this, but that's not going to be anytime soon. Master Watson. Yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting time that we live in right now. And um, we, we talked earlier about public policy. And I think there's a chance that we may see a lot of changes in government uh, policy, policies, regulation, um, things like, you know, sick paid leave being required now or before maybe that wasn't required or all of a sudden is things like Medicare, or Med Medicaid for all, are those going to become a bigger push because, you know, we got millions of people with huge medical bills from coronavirus that can't afford them and everybody got laid off from their job and doesn't have insurance, right? I mean, and, and we're talking about just handing money out to people that's that's sort of like a basic income. Like we, we've got all sorts of things that are in flight that it's going to be interesting to see how some of these new things stick around and, and long-term shape some of the... Uh, government and, and public policy, I think, which is interesting. So um, at the end of the day, you know, we need to do things to help Americans that have lost their job, but we also need to do things to help the companies so that people have a job to go back to. So there's there's a delicate balance there. And so um, well, we're going to see how it all shakes out. But I think there's just going to be a lot of changes that will come out of this long term. And in any major recession or pandemic, we see major shifts and in culture, how people work, government policy, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. I think remote work will be a real big one. Yeah. And, you know, Matt, that's, I think that's a, that's something that, you know, I wanted to lean into as well. I think that a lot of people are going to figure out a lot of things about themselves as I think the leadership discussion is a big thing. I, I've been very open about the fact that from about March 10th to March 20th, I learned more about myself as a leader and entrepreneur and maybe a person than any 10 day period I could imagine. Um, and, you know, being there around 180 plus employees on site and having them look to me to make a decision that clearly had an impact on them, their family. And you look at the trickle down effect, you know, one of the things that that uh, I've talked with with 
Watson about in the past is like looking back at the different things that we've done. You think, how many people have I employed or given jobs to or helped do stuff? And then you start to take that waterfall effect because, you know, they're, they, they have husbands, wives, partners, families, kids, grandkids, you know, like aunts, uncles, and just the, 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 the web gets, gets pretty big and elaborate and it's, and it's all interconnected. And there's, you know, much like Matt just said, the companies have to exist to give people jobs. The people have to exist to, to make the companies go, you know, you have to really wrap your arms around a lot of stuff that, um, you know, I, I like to say you, you try not to sacrifice the long term on the altar of the immediate. And there's there's so much that, you know, you got to have a company to come back to. And that was yeah. that was a, that was a lot that was really weighing into me with the decisions we made at full scale. And, you know, we haven't cut any 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 jobs. And um, it, and honestly, it would have been easy to in some space, but I don't think that that would have been the best long play for us. Um, you know, I was actually, and I'll, and I'll finish with this. I was at, uh, an award ceremony where master Watson became master Watson. And while I wasn't listening to his speech, I went and listened to Terry Dunn, um, who's a cousin of mine and the, this former CEO of, of J.E. Dunn Construction, and they have a ton of employees. And he was talking about the housing bubble. And it, really what he said is he said, as a good leader, you have to, you know, when when success and victory is occurring, that's that's because of everyone else at the company. But when you come to the tough times, you have to be able to prop all of it up on your own shoulders and shield everyone else from from that mess. And uh, it takes strength and it takes a lot of different things. And, you know, like, like Ryan said with the quote ninja leaders is find a way to make it stronger in the end. And if that's the case, you know, now at the same time, you know, you have to be able to make tough decisions if that's what it takes, but find a way to make yourself stronger because of it, not just a knee jerk reaction, and then figure out what comes like, like Ryan said earlier, there's probably a lot of people that cut their staff 10 days ago out of a knee jerk. And now they're going, Oh, wow. Maybe that wasn't, what, wasn't, wasn't the best plan or approach. You know what the best plan or approach is though, is to tell you guys that I'll see you on another future episode of startup hustle. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.